In John chapter 16, let's just get encouraged in the Lord this morning. I said, let's get encouraged in the promises of God. Let's say, uh, you may think, well, I don't need encouraging. You never know because you, uh, uh, you're judging yourself by yourself. You never know really where we are. You have to have a standard that's outside of our thinking, like the Word of God, to judge us. Because you may be th thinking you're doing bad and you're not, or go doing good and you're not, but the Word of God will judge that. It says what the Lord Jesus said in verse 1633. He says, These things I have spoken unto you that you might have peace. And then he said this. He said, In the world you will, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let me tell you, family, there's a hundred ways to say it, but everything is turning out amazing. This is what the Lord said right here. He said, it's going to be a, a, a fight out there. In the world, you're going to have things that are going to fuss at you, that oppose you, that condemn you, that judge you. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Or you could say, I've overcome the trouble that the world has. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. I've overcome. Everything is turning out amazing. And everything that's not amazing is still turning. That's what this scripture actually said. It's, it's what the Lord promised. And I'll tell you, if you analyze the New Testament, if you go in and say, what does the New Testament say? That's what it says. Everything is turning out amazing. No matter what it looks like, what it feels like, no matter what you've done or not done, uh, the mistakes you've made, the failures we've had, the things that uh, have overcome us before we could overcome them, everything is yet to turn out amazing. It's not... What it is is not it will is not what it will be. And we as Christians, we got to put that on. We should not be like mere men, carnal men, unrenewed mind men, sinners certainly, that have no hope day to day and have to look to a pay raise or some benevolent act that happens, something out of the blue. We ought to look to the Lord Jesus every day and say, it is amazing in my life no matter what I'm seeing. And that we at River Church, we're turning from an occasional turning out amazing so that everything that happens, everything that confronts us, you're going down trouble. You're going down tribulation. You're going down mess. You will turn out amazing. Not just like, well, a lot of them do and, and, and some of them do, that everything in our life has to turn into something amazing. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. We have a, a, a saying here that expectation determines outcome. It doesn't really matter what the word says. If you're expecting trouble, if you're expecting to, to get put down, probably that's going to overrule what Jesus said about I've overcome the world. If you expect it, so expectation determines outcome. And you and I have all have a testimony. Do you have a testimony this morning of Jesus doing something amazing? If he did it once, the, uh, the word testimony means that God wants to do it again. And if he's ever done something good for you, he wants to do lots for you. So in Mark, we don't have to turn to these, but listen to this. Expectation determines outcome. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, he says, What things soever ye desire, when you pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye what? Shall have them. So expectation determines outcome. Set your desire. Put it in words, aim it at the Father, 
based upon the word, and the outcome will be amazing in your life. Uh, another thing is that we need to as need to draw back from trouble, draw back from the, the turmoil that's in the world. Would you all agree with me? There's plenty of turmoil. If you read a newspaper, if you listen to any news, cable news or anything, it is nasty out there. They are fighting over stuff you didn't think you could fight over, and then they're certainly fighting over everything else. But God is our Father. you got to get that. That's a New Testament revelation. God is our Father. Therefore, we, being conceived by Holy Ghost and born again by the Spirit of God, He gave us His name. He gave us His inheritance. He gave us His future Everything is turning out amazing. How could anything go wrong with God as our Father? If God be for us, who can be against us? What difference does it make what the trouble is if God be for us? It's like, it's like somebody coming at you with a slingshot, and you pull up this bazooka thing and put it on your shoulder and say, you want a piece of this, devil? You want a piece of me? And just blow it out of the sky. Third, because uh, the Bible says in Luke 12, 32, I love this. Fear not, little flock. Read it with me. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Everything's turning out amazing because father's on our side. He says, I want to give you everything I've got, which is what a father does. He says, I got this and I've got this for one reason, to load it up for my children. And he said here by the Lord Jesus, I want to give you my kingdom, put you in charge and make everything that's good a part of your life. Then, then the Lord gave us his word. How bad could things be if he gives us his word and that not only just said it so that it's some myth or some legend or some oral tradition, he actually had the audacity to write it down and be accountable to it. You know, if you read the Koran, which you don't and you shouldn't, or the Book of Mormon, which you shouldn't, or the, the, the Buddha thing or whatever, the, the Buddhist thing, you'll find that none of them ever promise a future event. There is no prophecy in any of those. There's no prophecy in the Koran. So how accountable are you when you don't ever prophesy the future? You just make up stuff as you go and write it down about the past or what you think. You never can be held verifiable because you never write down anything that can be checked. Why, this thing is full of prophecies written hundreds and even thousands of years ago that have come to pass exactly and precisely as they were written. Could I have a better amen? We have a document that God said, I'll put my name on the line. I'm a good, good father, and you can check up on me. And in this document, he said, I will give you days of heaven. You want to go to heaven? You think heaven's going to be glorious? You think heaven's going to be a better day? Finally, we'll be a, 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 away from this trouble? He said, I can do better than that. I can let you have heaven on earth, days of heaven on earth. We got to wake up. Wake up, Michael. Wake up. It's not bad. Everything is turning out amazing. Don't spend one thought, not one day, certainly not one hour, thinking about what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How's this going to turn out? Everything is turning out amazing. Then 
Well, let me give you the scripture on that. It's in Second Peter 1, uh, 3 and 4. It says, he, by his divine power, he has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. The word of God even says they're exceeding great and precious whereby that we might be partakers of the divine nature. So God says, I have children. I'm going to give my children my nature. Everything's turning out amazing. You got God on your side and you got God on the inside. It cannot go south. Then I notice out of the Bible that God solved the sin problem. Could we say yay there? Solve the sin problem. You, don't have, you got troubles? No, you don't have any troubles if you got a sin problem. But then the Bible says he solved the sin problem. Romans 6, 14 says, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Jesus solved the sin problem. Hardly anybody knows that, and so they're not, they don't know if it's going to turn out amazing because they don't know if they got more sin stacked up against them than they can ever get grace or get forgiveness or get God's good uh, hand upon them. They always got a measure. Am I ahead or behind? What's the levels here? Jesus solved the sin problem, and there's no sin against you. Nothing in your past is being held against you. It's as if you had never, ever sinned. It's amazing. You can't even get there with your head. You have to get there by faith. Then it says in Matthew 6.33 when he said, he said, I'm going to solve the sin problem, and then I'm going to supply your every need, even if you mess up. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Well, in 6.31 it says, take no thought what you shall eat. Well, now listen. Everything's turning out amazing if you're going to eat every day. It's a good day when you know we're going to eat. Now, lots of people don't know that across the world, the planet. Lots of people in America don't know that. And lots of people in America's churches don't know that. But we should know that, that we are supplied in what we eat, which is a small thing, what we shall drink, and certainly what we shall be clothed. Listen, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all of these things. He's tuned in. He's focused. He's attentive. You've got to be attentive to be a father, a good father. You've got to be attentive. You can't go off and say, I'm on a road trip. I'll be back in the spring. Check in on me, you know, if you can. He said, I'm attentive. What are you eating? This, there's three meals a day, morning, noon, and night. I'll take care of all three of them every day. You don't like that gray blouse? You don't like those green britches? We can get new ones. I'll take care of you. So... In the Old Testament, I noticed, I've just been assessing this. In the Old Testament, it seems like God always gave the promise that he would deliver you out of trouble. Uh, matter of fact, there's a scripture that says uh, he's a very present help in time of trouble. And he's always helping the Old Testament folks out of trouble. It seems like they're always walking into trouble. Because they're trying to do the will of God out of their flesh. You know, they're not born again. So they're like training a child. You know, you, there's just so much you can do with the child because they can't, they can't 
they're not trained yet. They don't have a great distance of recall. They don't have a sense, a total sense of, of uh, their, their, their surroundings, what things mean and who people are and the importance and weight of things. So you got to work with kids to get them to do anything. And they mess up because they just didn't understand. That's how God had to deal with everybody in the New Testament. And he was always saying, listen, I know you fell in this trap. I'll deliver you. I'll get you out. But I found that in the New Testament, Jesus said, I've overcome the trouble. I'm not going to just get you out of trouble. I'm going to guide you around trouble. And the Old Testament guys couldn't get that because they he would tell them, don't do this. Don't marry the heathen girls and don't don't worship these heathen gods. But they couldn't remember and they couldn't they couldn't get it. And so they would go marry the 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 Perizzites and the Hittite girls and bring them back home. And they they'd bring their gods and bring their, you know, all that. So they'd have kinfolks come from the Perizzite land and it would mess stuff up. God would have to deliver them. But in the New Testament, Jesus said, I'm going to steer you. It's, a, it's an unknown concept in all faiths. It's unique to us that God will steer you from the inside. Not just road signs that you look at and reason out, but he steers you from the inside, gives you Holy Spirit to say, something about this isn't right. I have a check in my spirit. Y'all ever have a check in your spirit where you go, I know it says go. I know the light says green, but there's something about this that's not right. I believe I'm going to turn or I'm going to stay here for a while. And he steers us or he dominates it. He just takes it out of the way. This is a good father. And this is a good life that we have. And when God steers you around trouble, you can say everything is turning out amazing. Now, if you're going to if you're not going to be steered around trouble, if you're going to be Old Testament, if you're going to be like your sinner acquaintances, the people you know that don't know God, they can't tell. They're like a child. They can't tell what's danger. The stranger with the candy or whatever. They, can, they can't tell if that's got something inherently behind the scenes that's going to hurt them. So they just fall for everything. They fall for witchcraft and for the horoscope and for... Uh, the occult, they fall for that because it's like, what's wrong with this? And they associate with people that uh, are demonically inspired, and they don't see it. And you go, don't you see that? I don't see that. So we have this thing inside of us that steers us around so that everything turns out amazing. Everything. It's just not like, well, my radar's off. No, it's always on. You just got to Listen to it. In Romans 8, 14, would you turn there with me? Romans 8, 14. Hallelujah. Look at this. I'm just bringing back what we all take for granted this morning and making a case for every single thing that you see, hear, or experience never ever being a problem or a trouble, but that we look at it and say, you are going to turn out amazing. You look ominous. Letter from the IRS or the, in, the in-laws are coming for three weeks or something terrible, you know, that looks like, oh, this is the worst. Everything is set to turn. It comes one way, 
but it has to be transformed when it comes into my life. In Romans 8, 14, it says, For as many, let's read it together. Ready, read. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, you could say it this way. I don't think it, it would work against it. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Could you say that and not mess it up? The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. We are led. So what are we led? Well, we're, we're steered around trouble. So it never gets on us because we just went around it. Like you tell your kids, don't run into the street. You steer them from that. But it also steers us to the blessing, steers us to the good stuff, steers us to the, the, the opportunities and the doors that the world never saw. And you wouldn't see them except we're steered into that. Apply for this job and buy this. Don't buy that car. Well, why, Lord? It's the latest and greatest. Don't buy that car. That thing will hurt you. That thing's got troubles in it. That, that thing was made on, they say cars made on Monday and Friday. Don't buy cars made on Monday and Friday. They do. They say those cars, they just got there on Monday and they want to leave on Friday and they're not thinking about your car on Monday and Friday. I don't know, but you know, you'd go, well, how can you find out? Well, Holy Ghost will steer you and say, not that car, not that house. Everything's turning out amazing. And everything that's not amazing is in a process of the world working on it to bring it down while it's in your life, but being reversed by the power of God in you that's in your life. And we got lots of things in the earth to deal with, lots of negatives. Would you all agree the devil is a negative? He's working actively. The Bible says in uh, two places that Paul said, I was hindered from coming to you by the devil. The devil hindered me. I couldn't do it. There was I, I wanted to, the Lord wanted me to, but I... I was hindered, had to go another way. Uh, thinking, would you agree with me that thinking can get you out of the will of God? The rationale, the reasonableness, especially if you're very, uh, I, I think I'm very reasonable and very cognitive in the sense of thinking about stuff and not just, I'm not spontaneous as a rule where you just take an emotion and say, well, anyway, thinking could get you in trouble. Carnal goals. One time, I told you, one time I was at WT, West Texas State, went to a car show and saw a Pontiac Trans Am, and it was aquamarine, and it had leather seats, and, and I said, I'm going to, you know, one day I was driving a 68 Nova with a three on the tree, you know, with a clutch, and three on, it wasn't even down here, it was up here, and didn't have an air conditioner. You know, it was, it had vinyl seats. My dad had bought it. He was more than conservative. He, and had little hubcaps that just covered the lug bolts. It was, it was, uh, it was utilitarian. And so I was driving that and I looked at that, uh, and I said, I'm going to have one of these someday. Uh, if I have to do this, and I, you know, I made this. Well, that was crazy. That was out of touch. That was not with, within the realm of God. I mean, he'd give anything, but I wasn't even eating that good. And I was believing God or whatever for gas money. So anyway, that can get in the way. Another thing is your worldly experience. Everybody's been burned. <clears throat> Everybody's had a bad experience. Everybody can talk about somebody 
like Eric was talking about, that somebody got in your life and you want to blame them for your life, but you can't. But we've all reached out and drew back a stub, so to speak, in, in our experience. Uh, I would say the spirit of fear is very prevalent in people's decision-making. They've looked at other Christians that, that it did not turn out amazing for. I would say unspiritual family. If you were raised with unspiritual family, you have some wrong thinking to deal with. And uh, on and on and on. I'll tell you my own testimony is that in high school and in my early years, I consider that to be until about 26 or so years old, I was pretty clueless. I really didn't have a spiritual clue about a lot of things. Nothing that I could lay hold of and put a plan together and, and steer my life. Pretty clueless, although I loved God. I was born again, and I loved God. But even in that, God steered me. It wasn't even me. He, he went beyond my present state of spirituality and, and, uh, and uh, an awareness of him, and he, he got me married to Debbie. You know, the odds of that, as you look at our life and coming together and being in the same school, just amazing. And then even though I was supposed to go in the ministry, I had six majors in five semesters at uh, just, just lost. But yet he steered me. And even though I farmed for 10 years, that was even a good thing because I got a lot of things sorted out. And then when we got the Holy Ghost in 1980, I was ready. I had scratched those itches, as it were. And that's what he's done for you. He's like, he, when you weren't spiritual, when you were clueless, he just said, hey, I got this. You know, there's two, there's two in an in a airplane, there's two seats. And they both got controls. And he, he may have just slapped you aside and says, here, you're fixing to mess up. You're fixing to pull out on a, green li on, a, on a red light. Let me take this. And he just steered us above that so that everything could turn out amazing. Because, I mean, if you're rebellious and if you're just wanton, it may not have happened. But if you're just like open, God, I just don't know. He can steer. He can lead you to the right person to marry. Would you all say that at the marrying age, most people are pretty clueless about how to get married and who, what the, we really ought to have arranged marriages. We really ought to have our parents pick the, pick out our mate. It'd work out as good as it is, I can tell you. It, it couldn't be worse. You ought to have someone spiritual pick out your mate. I know y'all don't agree with that, but that's because you're spiritual. Romans eight twenty eight. you're right there. Look in verse 28 of 8. It says, and we know, look this, we know all things work together for good. Is that another way for saying everything turns out amazing? We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, his plans, his intention." God's got a steering on us. We ought to quit looking at where we missed it because God corrected that as you were heading for the ditch and you saw the ditch and you saw how bad the ditch was going to be to fall in the ditch and he steered you out and you just want to remember, oh, that ditch, that ditch was terrible. That time of my life was terrible, but he steered us out of it. You may have even, like me, just went in the ditch but somehow he got you out of the ditch and back up. 
All things work together for good. The passion says this. We are convinced. Listen to this. We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. Read that again. We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Sounds like God's got good going for him for us. That the world is just crazy, troubled, and confused, and against us, and God's just got this thing on us that no matter, like, like the pinball machine, you pull the trigger and the ball goes around and it looks like it's going to the bottom, but then this flipper at the bottom just catches the edge of the ball and sends it up to hit the $10,000 dinger, the 10,000 point dinger, and all of a sudden you're the winner and you're all but in the hole. It just seems like he rescues us before it's too late all the time. Sometimes you want to remember, oh, yeah, my life's this or that. But he rescued us. And you'd have to say, even if your life isn't perfect, it's not because God didn't do it. Let me tell you, it takes a long time to fix rebellion. Like Adam and Eve, you think it's taken 6,000 years to fix that? Well, it took him four to get to the Lord Jesus. It took him 4,000 years to reverse that little thing. God wanted everything to turn out amazing, and it did, but it took 4,000 years to fix that little, that little powwow that Adam and Eve had that day. What about Abraham, the father of faith? We're still dealing with that little mistake of Hagar and Ishmael. So God turns it out amazing, but, but he does faster and better when you just don't go off the interstate into the... <laughs> into the ditch, if you can just stay somewhere up there on blacktop, he can, he can steer this thing. And you go, well, how come my life's been so hard? Well, we were hard-headed. And it takes time to fix that stuff. He does, he's not magic. He's supernatural, but he's not magic. And he's had to fix stuff that took a long time. And some people, it, it, it never does get fixed because they don't have a heart to be. They don't even know where God is, and they're not looking for him. Now, look at this scripture with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Y'all are okay this morning. I know we talk about everything's turning out amazing all the time, but sometimes we don't realize it's not just a cliche. It is the New Testament theme. It is the headline of the New Testament is that if you'll sign up with the Lord Jesus— it's not just heaven versus hell, which that is turning out amazing. It's every day of your life. Every trouble, every mistake, every he'll fix it. And he'll put you back on the best that there is. It's just wonderful to be a part of Jesus. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look in verse 9. But as it is written, so we'd have to look to where it's written. That's a quote from the Old Testament in Isaiah 64. Here's what was written in Isaiah 64. Old Testament. Old Testament, nobody born again in Isaiah's day. This is how it was then, and he's making a contrast. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man 
the things which God has prepared for them that love him. That is old covenant. You, you, didn't, you didn't know back then. You were that pinball that was just bouncing between everything. And you didn't know. People quote this and say, you know, that's the way it is. No, that's the way it was. But when Jesus came on the scene, everything changed. And the, the, Paul said in verse 10, but God. So since we got born again, everything can turn out amazing. In the Old Testament, it might not make it. God was mostly steering the whole universe towards fixing Adam and Eve. And he had to use Noah, he had to use Abraham, he had to use David, then he had to use uh, Joseph and Mary. It took a lot of folks to line it all up to work it out amazing. And he was steering the whole thing more than he was individuals. But now that he's got Jesus and the new birth, and we're, we're, uh, he's the firstborn among many brothers, we're all the kingdom. We are the kingdom, and now he can steer the whole thing through any one of us, and certainly through all of us. Steer this thing, the body of Christ. It says in verse 10, But God hath revealed them, what's them? The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God has revealed those things unto us by his Spirit. We can know the future. We can know what is, what is amazing. What does amazing look like? Well, God says it's not b- being a billionaire, although you could be amazing and be a billionaire, but that's not what he's saying. The Spirit says, don't chase the billionaire attitude. Chase the first, seek first the kingdom of God attitude. And then that stuff will take care of itself. Oh, God, I thought we had to go after money. I thought we needed to be famous. I thought that's how you got happy and how. No, the Spirit reveals that it's not those things. He says in verse 10, But God hath revealed them to us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So the Old Testament man was like a child, led by a child. You can only put so much in a child. And, 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 and as long as they're a child, they're going to be uh, needing constant care, needing constant bailing out. They're always running in the street. Son, how many times have I told you, don't run in the street? And where are you right now? You are in the street. We talked about this yesterday. I busted you yesterday. I took away your supper or your dessert or whatever, and here you are. You couldn't go from yesterday today, and you're back in the street. That's the Old Testament man. But it's not us. By revelation, we're changed from the inside. And once he imparts revelation, we never see it different than that again. We're totally transformed by the renewing of our mind. The mind of Christ, which is down here, becomes the place where we access. We don't go up here. We only go up here so that we know where to, you know, we, so we can know how to feed our body, put it in the mouth, <laughs> and when to wake up and go to work through the eyes and the ears. We don't need much up here other than that. Are y'all? Yeah. We need this down here. We use this up here, but this is not the main event. Yeah, they put it on your driver's license so the officer can see this is who he says, you know, and, but not much help. So verse 10 says, God hath revealed the prepared things unto us by his spirit. So it's going to be down in here. It's going to be revelation. 
It's going to be what he talks to you about when you turn this thing off up here. He's going to be talking to you about your future. He said, you know how I steered you out of trouble yesterday? Yeah, God, that was cool. I didn't know that was you. I thought it just was luck or, you know, that person or this event or the boss just changing his mind. No, that was me. He said, but I want to not only steer you out of that trouble, I want to start steering you into blessing. Apply for this job. Don't move into that house. Move to this city. Marry this girl. I want to start talking to you through your spirit. Well, God, I'd prefer that you would send something in hard copy that I could read and read and rationalize. No, no hard copy. I'm not going to talk to you in hard copy. You, this is all you get, hard copy. I'm going to talk to you down here. And by faith, you're going to have to hear it and believe it was me and act on it. That's a higher level of sonship than Old Testament. Amen? There's a faith factor involved. And we have to believe who he is and who we are. So let me just tell you this. Let's sum it up. When you start believing, when we start believing unto saying, believing unto acting, that everything turns out amazing, you will stop worrying. You won't fret an IRS letter. You won't fret uh, people at the plant getting pink slips. You will not fret uh, the transmission going out on the car. You will not fret. You will say, this thing's covered. This thing's good. I hate to deal with it. I wish I didn't have to deal with it. Probably the Lord was telling me, trade this thing off. This this thing was time to go. Have you ever had that thing looking back and say, you know, I had this thing inside me said, you know, move or get rid of this and whatever. They told us, <laughs> I, I talked to the air conditioner guy. This is way off subject. But he said that the, that the air conditioner units of the old day that Freon is now $860 for one of those little bottles. $860. used to be 100 But now it's $860, and we had 10 of those units at Coker. He said it's nothing, nothing at all for us to go out and do a $500, service call. Less than 100 of it was the service call, and the rest of it was free on. Did you know, everything's turning out amazing, that we, we, we didn't spend $200 from the time we moved out there in 2002 until today on air conditioners. One of those units, way off subject, was a 1989 five-ton unit, the one that was up in the ceiling. That was an 89. Y'all know how many years that oh? That's how many years is that? 89 to now would be 28 years. 28 years. And he said, he said, if they all 10 went out, you'd be crushed. He, he, I, I was listening. God, everything turned out amazing. Now, I don't know about this new outfit that's bought it. You know, they, may, they better believe God is all I'm saying. So back to, back to this. So this is, now here's the other side. There is no dead time in turning time. Say no dead time in turning time. That means 
that when you and I are going, what is up? Nothing is going on. There, I must be missing God. I need to change this, and I need to move that, and I need to... I, we get bored. We get like, I, we want God to be doing something, and things are happening behind the scenes. If, if we'd have sold that property five years ago, we wouldn't have been... We would have taken that money and become a church that was not what God wanted. And in that five years that we moved here, we found out what God wanted, and it's like now we're funded. It all turned out amazing. But Barry and Melissa and us were all speaking to it every day. Sold in Jesus' name, which it was, and it did. But timing was like, this is crazy, Lord. Can you not sell this building? Can you not, Lord, do you not know any real estate tricks? Do you not know any people out there that need a property? Do you, can you look in your directory of heaven and find somebody that needs this thing? We finally figured out, you know, he does know everything. And it turned out amazing. Amazing. Verse 9. I'm still in 1 Corinthians 2 in the Amplified. No, excuse me. Yes. The second part of verse 9, God has prepared, made, and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him, and gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. He's good. Y'all, he's good. Eric said, you know, one thing that God, you could say he's good, this is good. He has prepared for those who love him everything that they'll need. Verse 10 in the Amplified said, Yet to us God has unveiled and revealed them by and through His Spirit. Look at this. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything. Come on, y'all. Read that again. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently. I can hardly imagine the Holy Spirit not knowing everything instantly and just like, and somehow there's a, there's a reference here to him searching and turning over everything, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God. For you, for you, Justin, for you, Annette, for you, Joey, just saying, today's project is Pamela Gann. Whoo, the angel said, that's a, that's a, Lord, can we do it in one day? Yeah, we got this covered. <laughs> we're going to go to the bottom of heaven's profound wisdom and the bottomless things of God and we're going to find the very best avenue for it to turn out amazing we're going to look at every avenue every possibility every factor every person and event we're going to put it all together and we're going to hit the analyze button and we're going to come up with the perfect will of God and it's going to turn out amazing God's better than we thought, y'all. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8. We'll quit here. Romans chapter 8, right there. Look what it says in verse 26. I know you and I would love to say, gosh, you just get born again and it turns out amazing. Legally, that's true. But vitally, or the actual working of it, there's something else involved. And here it is in verse 26. It says, likewise... The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Would y'all say that that would be true? 
praying out of our mind, we would say, well, this is what you pray. I need, to, I need for an accident to happen to my boss and for him to be mysteriously buried in a county that nobody's ever walked in and for him to be gone forever. That's, that's the solution, the Lord. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, nah, we need to get the Holy Ghost to pray, and that's a low form of deliverance. Um, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us, for us, for us. The Holy Ghost prays for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Amplified says, so too, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid. Everything's turning out amazing. That's his goal. And bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf. Can you imagine? Holy Ghost is pleading on our behalf. Are you worthy to be pled for on, uh, on your behalf to God? Holy Spirit going to Father and, and making a case for you and for me? That's pretty amazing. It's like, God, you know, I just, if you could just pass the biscuits, please, I'll be happy. But God, go and send in Holy Spirit. In our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. It goes in that language that the devil can't recognize. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. This is a language beyond his deciphering. He cannot get it. So here it is. Faith knows the end. Faith knows what everything that turns out amazing, faith knows what amazing is for you, for me. Holy Ghost knows it. And he goes and presents the case to Father. But he needs you and I to cooperate. Otherwise, what would we need to do? We just get born again and Holy Spirit just goes to work for us full time. That's not how it works. God's not going to give you what things soever you desire when you pray. Unless you pray. We got to want it. Otherwise, when good comes on us, we won't know where it came from. We got we to get in faith about it. There's a faith factor that says, God, I'm interested in what you're interested. And I want for my life only what you want for my life. And I don't want for my life anything that you don't want for my life. That's a big consecration. That's a big sanctification when you say, God, I only want what you want. Because every once in a while, you're going to want something, and you know it's not on the approved list. It's called temptation. It's called lust. So, we got to cooperate. The turning, everything is turning out amazing, and everything that's not amazing is still turning. The turning is when we pray out the mysteries. We pray out the mysteries. That's when Holy Spirit goes to, into the, the uh, archive room and goes to the bottomless parts of God's uh, uh, wisdom and starts digging out your case and presenting your case is when you pray in the Holy Ghost. Could I have one more amen? That's when it happens. You go, well, God, I just want you to do it. Well, God would like for all Christians to tithe and all Christians to win the lost and all Christians to pray for the sick. But this stuff has to be put in us. We have to grow up. So we got to pray in the Holy Ghost. We can pray in the Holy Ghost, and I'll tell you, guaranteed, 
everything will turn out amazing. There will be a time factor because it's here on earth and there is time on earth. But everything that's not amazing is still turning. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I put in a system that if you'll engage it and go into it, it'll turn out amazing. We are qualified to operate in the amazing. John G. Lake was an amazing man. Oral Roberts, wow, what a, what a giant. These, uh, these great men and women, Marie Worth, Woodworth Edder, how amazing she is, was. But nothing, nothing they're doing or did is different than what you're called to do and I'm called to do. Amazing is the word God's put on our life. Let's confess this. I am born again. I am a child of God. I am led by the Holy Spirit into the amazing life God has created me to live. I give him access into my future by praying through him. He works out everything in my life for my behalf. My expectation is amazing. So right now, we're going to let him have our expectation. Every little dream you've had, and this a lot of times would be uh, uh, bookended by uh, saying, I'm too old or it's too late. Because we all think we need to start when we're 20-something and never swerve in order to have amazing life. It's like, well, God, I've got this in my past, and God, I didn't even start. Uh, I was thinking about Frances Hunter the other day that didn't even get born again until she was 55 and turned the world upside down, her and Charles, for healing and didn't even get born again. Yeah. Was, was a Rudy tootie, as it were. And there's room for you and me. So we have to, we have to give God our expectation. It's not too late. Debbie, tell uh, what uh, Curry said about the end times. We've been preparing for a day that we hadn't seen and for a people we haven't met. We've been preparing. And that's what praying in the Holy Ghost does. It gets you off of the reasonable and off of the, off the rational and off of the past. It puts you in a place where you do things that don't seem to have an end. But it's part of that turning where God says, I'm turning this thing around. Well, he's turning around our life. A dull, mundane, and boring Christian experience where you just go do the same thing every Sunday and every Wednesday and every Sunday and you just like, okay, what is the end of all this? I'm born again and I'm relatively happy and I, every once in a while I cast the devil out of my situation and sometimes it works. And there's an end to this. It's not as it has been. It's as it is amazing. And you're not, listen, you're not praying in vain. You're not giving in vain. You're not meditating in vain. Nothing is in vain. There is no downtime in turning. Right now, it seems like there's no end to this. And I'm telling you, I wanted that Coker property sold the day we moved out in May of 12. I was looking for a buyer before June 1. And it's like, nope, didn't come until June five years later. But they gave us the money we wanted on the terms we wanted and nothing. We didn't spend $10. We didn't spend $1 on maintenance the whole five years. It's like our shoes didn't wear out. 
like we had manna every morning, twice on Saturday or however that works, and and uh, and uh, it was amazing. You don't really see it till you look back, because I would talk to Barry and say, "Are y'all still?" He said, hey, "Pastor, every day we go by there and we salute that thing and say, you, you.'" <laughs> so I know that was happening, and I certainly was. Uh, Pastor Eric West came out. Uh, I didn't know this until just the other day, but he came in May. He didn't know anything was going on. And he drove clear over from Jimson. It's 75 or 80 miles. Well, to Coker, it's further than that. And walked around the property and told it what to do. I had not been telling him anything. I'd not been, we had not talked about that building. And he walked. So God was moving behind the scenes to affect things. And then all of a sudden, boom. These people rose up and said, we must buy this by the end of May. We have got to. It's like all of a sudden their pants are on fire. And could I borrow your, I see, could I borrow your, could I borrow your sweet tea? I'm on fire. And uh, everything started. And that's the way it is with the kingdom. You, if you look to the senses, you're going to mess up. It just seems like nothing's happening. And it's happening. It's happening. Praise God. So let's just stand up this morning and let's just, uh, I don't know what you need to do, but I know I'm going to submit myself to the turning out amazing doctrine of the New Testament. I'm going to submit myself. I'm, I'm going to repent myself, and I have, of, uh, of accusing God, very, very graciously accusing him of not being diligent, not being on time, not being, um, not answering my prayers or not, just lots of stuff that you would never say that you said. But it's an attitude of saying, God, you know, really, really, is this all you got? And what is it going to take to do something? And say, nope, Lord, I'm praying this out in the Holy Ghost. And the other thing that we probably need to do this morning is to give ourselves to praying in the Holy Ghost. That we just are like, well, I'm busy. Well, really, you can just about eat spaghetti and pray in the Holy Ghost. There's just hardly anything that you can't do at the same time. It's just like you could log out 10 or 12 hours a day if you just wanted to and never miss a beat. So, Father in heaven, we thank you for the word that's showing us how good you are and how amazing your kingdom is. And how, Lord, you've covered every detail, every detail that you are not slack concerning your promises, both in the word and to us personally. And, Lord, that you hear our petitions and you answer our prayers. <coughs> and so, Lord, I repent this morning for impatience. I, I repent this morning, Lord, of, of false and, and wrong judgments and accusations against your integrity of... Uh, of taking care of your business and where you've involved me. And I repent, Lord, because it's turning out amazing. It just turned out completely different than my little finite night rationale could, could get around. I didn't know what you were doing, and I, I misjudged. And, Lord, together, perhaps today, together, we would all say, yeah, that, that hits me somewhere. And uh, that we're going we're gonna, to, if we'll do our part, Lord, to pray out the mysteries the mysteries will get prayed out, and they'll become substance. They'll become reality. 
And you will use us in your kingdom, Lord, if we'll do what you've asked us to do, to be involved. So we give you this summer, Lord, a supernatural summer. We say, Lord, that it's going to be an amazing year, 2017. And that, Lord, you're preparing us for more than just sitting around in church services and <clears throat> doing normal things. That, Lord, there's an end to this. And we thank you, Father, for being patient with us, long-suffering with us. In Jesus' name. And so, Lord, now in your own voice with me, would you just say what you can say about praying in the Holy Ghost, dedicating yourself, consecrating yourself to say, Lord, I'm going I'm to give myself to your kingdom and to your work, which is to pray out the whole plan. And then specifically for me, in Jesus' name, we give ourselves to praying in the Holy Ghost, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that it's, uh, all things do work together for good for those who are, are love God and are called and that pray in the Holy Ghost. And Lord, we say we will. We ask you to help us now, empower us to do the will of God, the way of God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> I say we've conducted kingdom business today. We've renewed our minds. We've realigned our path, perhaps, and we've got a new courage inside. It's his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we put down the heavy stuff. <laughs> what am I going to eat, Lord? Ah, you're not supposed to be picking that up. Where am I supposed to live? Ah, that's, yeah, that's too big for you. Just let me handle that. Yes, Lord. Amen. Does anybody need prayer? Everybody good? Miss Pam, you need prayer for your... Okay, still those medical things or those physical things? All right, well, come up here and s sit down in front of Eric. And they're behind you, so they're going to pray for you. <clears throat> Justin, you come right here on this side of her. And Annette, would you come over here and sit on that side of her? And I want y'all to get this thing taken care of. We're going, we're going to do kingdom. Now, it's, we're not just doing it the way it's always been done. We're going to expect an amazing end this morning. So how about a supernatural recovery?